the only way to do it is through human connection, is mm-hmm. through the one-to-one meetings, it is through the team meetings. This is the the only way, in my view, to build a strong um, culture in reality. B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism, scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm joined by Pavlina Luki, who is VP of Marketing at Quelco Group. Pavlina, very, very warm welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much, Benedict, for having me. I'm super excited. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Well, I've given you the swiftest of introductions, uh, which won't have done it any sort of justice. So um, for those people that are tuning in um, and maybe aren't as familiar, um, the floor is yours for you know, 30, 45 seconds. Give us a bit of a background about yourself. OK, great. So uh, I am Vice President of Marketing at Qualco. Uh, Qualco is a Greek technology company uh, with an international uh, client footprint, mainly in Europe and Middle East. Uh, the company specializes in software solutions for the banking and the credit industry. And in the last five years, we have seen exponential growth in our business. Uh, so from my role, I have experienced my fair share of uh, thrills and spills. And I'm very happy to share my experience with you and the listeners of the podcast. Excellent. And I think you're the perfect person to be having the conversation we have today, which is going to be looking at marketing within the context of fast scale up organizations. Um, And from and this is really actually from a lot of conversations that I've had, the contrast of speaking to someone who who is a marketer within a fast scale up organization and one who's in an established corporate is like night and day, certainly in terms of their experiences. And what I sort of tend to see is that the the pace of change, which is being driven by the business in a scale-up organisation, often means that marketers are somewhat left behind and they don't necessarily have that full sort of agency over the approach from a sort of a marketing perspective. Is that something you agree with? Yes, this is something (laughs) that I definitely agree with. And, you know... uh, even though it's an amazing journey to building things from the ground up in the in a marketing organization, it also brings uh, unique pressures. And actually, the the biggest pressure is that we need to prove results very very fast. And the bonus pressure that comes with that is that we don't only need to grow, but we need to grow in a sustainable manner. So, you know, once upon a time, uh, things were very simpler. Uh, the job was to hit the revenue goal, the pipeline generation goal, the whatever financial or business goal. Uh, but this is clearly not enough today and for good reasons. So for today, the job is to meet the growth, the business growth objectives, but also enable people for their own, for their own growth uh, objectives, their professional growth objectives. So people expect a lot from the employer, expect a lot from the company. They expect even more from their managers. And this because they spent significant time uh, at work. 
Um, so the expectation is that marketing plans for success, hires for success, executes for success, and delivers value every single quarter. And this um, and consistency, you know, in delivering uh, value is key because ultimately it's the only way that you can somehow gain the trust of the business and trust in a sense is the only fuel that can get uh, a marketing function far. I, I think there's something you said early on in that answer, which I want to pick up on. I think it's really interesting. You talked about how there's there's two things you've got to hit your the revenue goals that are being set by the business. That's very, very short term, very, very essential. Mm. Also talks about that need to work towards um, sustainable growth, which is yeah. much more of a long term sort of um, ambition. From your experience, how much tension is there between the two of those sort of competing demands? Because um, certainly from my observations, one often happens at the expense of the other. This clearly, this contradiction clearly brings tension. The contradiction be- uh, between uh, meeting the short term uh, business goal and not being in a position to uh, address uh, retention risks, for example. And, you know, we live in a world where uh, people um, need uh, a good workplace. They need to integrate their uh, work with their life in a balanced way. They need support in a place that uh, has constant daily change. We onboard uh, new clients on very frequently. We're on board new people uh, on a daily basis. We have to meet challenges that th- that that are very different on a on a daily basis. To me, the the way to hack that, in my experience so far, is around creating uh, a culture of collaboration and do uh, conversations that um, explain the why behind the how. On our uh, daily lives, we are planning for the how, how to meet this goal, how to meet the other goal. But it's very important for us to explain the why. And you're putting a lot of emphasis, and quite rightly so, around the the building of a a, a culture, giving people that sense of belonging, that sense of identity and understanding, therefore, of the purpose of the organization, which actually sort of, you know, is a such a close intersection with brand. And, and again, it, and these are just my observations. So, you know, it's, uh, it's limited. Uh, but even a conversation I was having yesterday with a company that's going through, you know, that scale up sort of mode. And from a marketing perspective, there's a real appetite to get the brand right. How do we actually give ourselves a new brand strategy, develop a new brand identity? But having that conversation with the business who are all about, well, we need to just be hitting goals. We need to be cycling fast and fast and fast. Mm. It, it, it's really, really difficult. How have you made the, the, the argument or indeed has the argument been made for actually pausing and investing in building a, a brand which is actually uh, suitable for the direction you want to take as an organization? 
in my view, brand building, you know, starts with uh, market research. It provides the foundation regarding the positioning of the company, regarding the messaging, regarding the tone of voice, the visual mm-hmm. identity, all those, all those elements that are essential in order for us to express and communicate the value proposition of the company across the funnel. The, the, mm-hmm. This is the one part of the exercise. The other part has to do with demand generation. So demand generation actually, you know, is managing the channels, is driving the conversions, is bringing uh, the marketing qualified leads, the sales qualified leads, the the pipeline, all all those type of stuff. Uh, In my view, those are uh, the two sides of uh, one coin. And if you want to invest in growth, then you should invest in both. Brand building in sales-led organizations, because typically hyper-growth environments are sales-led, so we mm-hmm. work to acquire the new, pay, the, the new paying customer, actually, has a bad reputation. And that because it connects with elements that are softer like brand awareness that has nothing to do with money in the bank. Um, what I have found so far, and mainly from, from failure, smaller or, or bigger, is that if you stop investing, if you do an experiment and you stop investing in brand building, the risk is that you will face eventually down the line is that number one, someone else is doing this instead of you. And number two, Mm. that you have to pay more uh, for conversions. Um, So every time I get pushed, every time my team gets pushed for more demand gen activities over brand building activities, those are the elements that we consider And those are the elements that we somehow try to quantify and articulate uh, to the investors, to the board, to the leadership of the company, to the core functions. Um, It's very important to uh, uh, understand and articulate the negative side effects when you're trying uh, only to generate more demand more leads over investing in brand building. And, and I think that, that that argument about you're making acquisition that much more expensive by not investing is, is a really strong argument, but it's yes. quite an indirect link to be able to quantify what that looks like. And I know we're getting into super practical level, but it's just really, I think, interesting and useful for those people that are, are tuning in. Uh, how have you actually gone about and who have you worked with to to quantify what that looks like? So you can almost put a, um, you know, a dollar sign um, next to that um, to make the case for brand. So, um, you know, in, fr- in front of the investors, in front of the board, in front of the committees, all that matters is metrics and primarily financial metrics. And marketing should be in a position, you know, to prove the return on investment, especially in hyper growth uh, environments. Uh, The strategy begins with sales. Um, And, you know, in the first instance, we need to help the marketing team uh, to hit the ground running and use specific metrics when it comes to 
goal setting, and also performance me measurement. So personally, uh, when it comes to this chapter, to the metrics chapter, to the reporting chapter, I tend to believe that you know less is more when mm -hmm. it comes to selecting those metrics. I, I, I don't want us you know to spend way too much time to design complex dashboards in order to tell a story, uh, but actually channel our efforts in order to have a standardized and very mm -hmm. clear pro process that says, listen, guys, this is what we track on a daily basis. This is what we track on a monthly basis. This is what we need to report um, to the leadership team to the board in order to showcase our mm -hmm. um, our efforts, actually. Mm. And so there is a metric or a proxy or equivalent metric, which does show how the cost of acquisition is decreasing as investment. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. That is, I mean, that, that's the perfect answer is absolutely. <laughs> that's great. And then look, I've, I appreciate I've taken us down this um, this path of really talking around metrics and that tension between brand building and, and demand generation, as we were just saying that. But just to sort of rewind a little bit and sort of pick up on some of the points that you were talking about um, in terms of when you're scaling really fast, it's really important to develop a culture. It's really important to hire the right people as well, because hmm. and I can certainly relate to this hmm. when you're under pressure. Some of your hiring decisions are questionable. Um, hmm. now, what, what is the I suppose what is the, the, the advice that you would give having gone through that about how you get? hiring the right ta marketing talent right clearly I'm, I'm i'm not in a position to give any advice the only thing that i can do actually is you know to 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 share my experience yeah um i had the the, the opportunity in the last years to build and scale a marketing function literally from the ground up and this was truly a learning experience uh from my end many many mistakes uh, in the in the journey smaller or bigger you know in, in my view it, 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 essentially it's three things the the first thing is to know uh what you look for so it's important to design a team structure and an organizational structure and roles and responsibilities in advance um, and hiring priorities are also key. So you need to be able somehow to, to know and have some justification around what role is essential to come first and uh, what role will come later in order to support longer term objectives. In this area, I believe that it is very important to get as much inside, as much help as you can, either from uh, the leadership team, from your manager, from the HR function, from external consultants. But in my view, if you get this right, then you have a very clear roadmap in order to build this function and make it work. Um, so know what you are looking for is number one. The second yeah. is that try to recruit those who can and those who want. And this is something that I learned down the line in the hard way. 
Um, personally, you know, I, I find that people, uh, candidates who can provide simple answers in complex questions during the interview process are those who effectively can give the most value um, down the line. And resumes and CVs do not tell you the whole truth. Resumes and CVs, somehow, if you read those and see the experience of the candidate, you can have a sense of what this person mm, can do. But mm. you cannot see what this person wants to do. Yep. And this is very important. The second part is very important in hypergrowth environments because actually you, you need, you know, a core worker who's willing to, to learn more, who's hungry to achieve more, who has the mental capacity to go into this journey and achieve and be open to fail and this type of stuff. The, the, the third the third thing is that uh, we shouldn't look to hire people who necessarily look like us, you know, and because this is actually limiting in, 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 in many ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, many times uh, I, I had been in a conversation that says that, look, this candidate has more entrepreneurial experience versus corporate experience. Will this candidate fit? Won't this candidate fit? And many times you see that talent that did not obviously tick all the boxes can actually create value faster because they have the hunger to prove, the, to prove themselves. They have the mental capacity to, to go for it. No, I mean, I completely agree with that last point. <laughs> and you know, this, there is a, a real bias towards having to hire based on experience. And actually it is around the two things that you said, which is it's attitude, you know, they have to have that desire, they have to have that hunger and, and whatnot. And then it's aptitude or potential or talent. I think it, these are the really key things. You have a really smart, hungry person. You will go far, far further than someone with 15 years experience yeah. from my perspective. Anyway. And, and this needs an open mind from all, yeah. you know, from no, all the players around you. I completely, I completely agree. So, you know, we've, we've talked about that sort of like challenging to scale up environment um, in terms of balancing brand building and demand gen. We've talked about it in terms of how we build and you know, nurture um, a team. You just, just quickly as a sort of a final sort of um, to tie this conversation up. Are, are there any other sort of big risks that you associate mm -hmm. with being a marketer within a scale-up organisation? You have to be prepared <laughs> for for <laughs> risks. You have to have an open mind. <laughs> so, yeah, the risks. Uh, the 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 first risk, in my view, is that that there can be chaos. You can have chaos all the time because this means something. Uh, but we need to be open and aware that chaos can come in waves. 
And this creates operational risks, actually. So in reality, when you double your staff in a few months, you know, you need to be in a position to have the ground rules and make sure that people can collectively get things done through a framework, um, through common rituals and defined decision-making points. Um, this is the, the, the biggest risk that yeah. I have identified. Uh, the, the second risk has to do with information flow. Uh, when things are growing very fast, information is not flowing uh, easily unless you are conscious about this, unless this is, unless you have your full attention on this um, across the business. Uh, very recently in, in, in our marketing team, we have run an exercise um, to score how effectively information flows within the marketing team. So within the digital marketing team, within the content team, etc. How effectively information flows within the marketing function. So among the marketing teams how effectively information flows uh, from business functions like the sales organization, the pre-sales organization, the solution design organization, the product management organization to marketing, and how effectively information flows from the business, so from the leadership to marketing. And we have put a number in, in numbers uh, in these sequences and the outcome is revealing. If you do this exercise, do it. Um, it is the only way that you can actually and in a quantifiable manner realize where tensions are, are created. Yeah. And this is the only way that you can drive corrective actions based on facts rather than gut feelings. Mm -hmm. um, the third thing, and this is something that I have very close to my heart, is uh, how under all this tremendous pressure, you can actually create and cultivate a culture. Uh, for me and uh, for um, our company, um, it is an imperative that, you know, we are there to build long lasting relationships. And this is against the, what is commonly happening out there. Yeah. Um, and there, you know, for me, it is very, very important uh, to be able to articulate why we are under pressure. Why do we need to meet the deadline? What's in it for every one of us? to be successful because it, th there are benefits be behind um, all, all that pressure. Yeah. And to me, you know, the only way to do it is through human connection, is mm -hmm. through the one-to-one -one meetings. It is through the team meetings. This is the, the only way, in my view, to build a strong um, culture in reality. 
All right, well, that was a, firstly, I think it was a, it was a great in summary and really comprehensive. <laughs> and and to, to pick up on, like, which actually I'm going to use it as a segue more than anything to go to sort of my, my final question. You, you you spoke there about the importance of human connection. I appreciate it in a very different context. Um, and you did also mention uh, moving away from gut feeling, but I'm actually going to bring you back to gut feeling for my <laughs> very final question. Um, because, you know, guts are still, are really important within marketing, getting that sort of emotional connect, connection. So to close that, I want to ask you our house question, which is, when was the last time that you saw a piece of marketing, piece of advertising, whatever it might be, that really moved you on a deep emotional level that you, you did feel in your guts? I don't get goosebumps from marketing work as much as I would, as I would hope for. <laughs> um, you know, we live in, in a world of contradictions. In, in one hand, in, in one hand uh, there is a marketing tendency to present companies, products, leaders, in a very Insta Instagrammable way. Mm. So companies should be perfect. Leaders should be perfect. Solutions, uh, products should be perfect. And on the other hand, uh, there is a cancel cu culture. Uh, we hear about massive layoffs in the tech mm. industry. So something in miss is missing between okay. perfection and what really happens. It, what resonates with me as a, as a person and as a professional is keeping things real. So personally, I get goosebumps every time I hear a leader um, showing vision, but also vulnerability. Uh, when I read mm -hmm. something, you know, that actually bring experience and learnings and uh, practical value, uh, on the table instead of sugarcoating uh, concepts and businesses and everything. This is the kind of marketing that I respect personally the most. And that idea of showing obviously leadership, but vulnerability especially, I think it's something very underutilized by brands. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we are all so scared of showing some of our, our, our frailties and some mm -hmm. of our, our weaknesses, but it can be very, very powerful in terms of unlocking that uh, respect and that trust um, with, with the target audience. So Pavlina, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the conversation. I especially uh, like the simplicity. Um, I know it's not easy, but of being able to show how building a brand brings down that cost of acquisition. It's so important. But I think, you know, the really big overriding message is that, um, to use your word from the beginning, in a scale-up environment, it is chaos. Now, the way to deal with that chaos is by having the right people and the right culture and putting that effort in and maintaining that discipline um, and patience uh, to make sure that you're hiring people based on their their attitude and also their their potential and their ability is, is so, so key. Um, so, yeah, thank you very, very much for joining me on the podcast. Um, yeah, it's been a really, really fascinating conversation. It was a pleasure, Benedict. Thank you very much for the opportunity. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.